Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and joining me today uh, on his uh, maybe third or fourth appearance, a return guest, former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones. Donald, how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? It's been a little while. Thank you for getting me back on the show. I know. You you come back by popular request. Every time I have you on and get uh, very high reviews, I think you're just okay, but you'll, so you'll have to try a little harder this time, but... Uh, our listeners seem to like you. Um, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you had a chance, Donald, in, in, in your career to get many good looks at Tom Brady, uh, sometimes on the other side of the field and then for an offseason with the, the New England Patriots. So I, I want to start there in what what it is that you think makes Tom Brady who he is, because the, he's certainly not fast and he does not throw the hardest football anymore. That's for sure. So what is it that continues to have him rolling the same way year after year, even into his 40s? Uh, it's, it's his mind, you know, his knowledge of the game, his knowledge of, I mean, Tom Brady has played against, I imagine, every defensive coordinator in the NFL right now, right? And you know how it is with defensive coordinators, coaches going against other coaches. They actually, they remember coaching against this coach. This coach likes to do this. He likes to do that. Tom Brady's been playing so long, he understands what these coaches are trying to do to him. Mm-hmm. He understands the different defenses. Obviously, he understands his offense. And so, you know, it's the, the mind and being able to just beat defensive coordinators like he's a coach on the field himself. And uh, it's amazing to watch him be able to get guys, you know, line slide protect and get the running backs in the right place and get the wide receivers on the hot route and all of that stuff. It really just understands everything a defense is trying to do. If the mic is blitzing, he is going to tell you. And most of the time he's right, you know, and I'm sure it's frustrating for guys with defense and for defense coordinators. So when you're wide, a wide receiver for Tom Brady, I mean, how much different is that than any other quarterback, especially when it comes along with, knowing that he's the one in command. Like, you don't have to really worry about the guy who's running the ship here. You don't have to think about whether he's any good or whether he's the true leader of the team. It's like, this is 
one of the greatest of all time, and we should just follow along with with what he says. Is that is that kind of how it is when you're playing with Tom yeah. Brady? Yeah, you, you fall in line. Reason being, if you don't fall in line, you're not going to play. You're not going to get the ball. Right. And that's that's the fact of the matter. And he will, he'll, in other words, say that. You know, if you're not at, if you're not where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, you're not going to get the ball. And why do I want to have you on the field if I'm not going to throw you the ball? Because I can't trust you. And he has enough clout in that organization to say, I don't want him on the field with you. And so, yeah, you better fall in line in everything that he's doing, whether it's whether it's running the right route, being at the right depth, um, whether it's we have film study sessions, whether you, you better know what is going on out there on the field. If you're hot, you better go hot. And if you don't, then he throws it and he throws an interception, you never see the ball again, which means you'll never see the field, which means you'll probably get cut because they're not paying <laughs> them guys that much money anyway. Um and so, you know, everybody just falls in line with what he said because he is the general out there. Well, that's what I'm curious about is that they never seem to have a highly paid wide receiver, that they find guys who are the under-the-radar guys, someone like Chris Hogan, who they just plucked off restricted free agency, and the Bills said, no, that's okay, we don't need to pay that guy, and then all of a sudden he's good. And we've seen it happen for a number of receivers throughout Tom Brady's career is it a certain personality type or a certain player type skill set that seems to fit with Brady? Like, the, do you have to have a different type of mentality when you're his receiver as opposed to with someone else? Um, I think it's really just the, the understanding that he is he is the one that's calling the shots on the field. You're not going to go there and say, "You better give me the ball." Right. It's just not going to happen, you know. And so, understanding that is really the first part of playing on that team. Now, it's a lot easier to understand that when you bring guys in the way the Patriots do. And, you know, if you watch the Patriots over the years, they bring guys in. They don't necessarily draft that well. They bring guys in, you know, three, four years in the league, guys that have been okay on other teams that they don't have to pay a whole lot of money, but that they can just put right into that system. And if you do your job, and do your job well on a consistent basis, then you're going to play. And then all of a sudden, you're a good player, you know. But then what they also don't do is, outside of Grunt and Edelman, everybody else has, you might have one good week, and then you you might go silent for two, three weeks. Right. And then all of a sudden, you're featured again, you know. So they never really, uh, they never really just feed you, feed you, feed you to your, like, superstar status, you know. And so with that, they can keep you at a minimum in terms of money that they're paying you, and they can keep you in line in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, just wanting the ball and all of that stuff. So their system, as you, as you hear about the Patriot way, I mean, that is their system. They bring guys in who have been in the league for a little while, who aren't superstars, guys that are just might be bouncing around a little bit, or they they're good enough players have played good enough games against them in the past to where they feel like we can plug him into the system and he's going to be good enough to give us some great games here and help us win. Okay, so that's, and, uh, that's a really – sorry, that's a really interesting topic, though, is that the Patriot way. Because, uh, you know, first of all, you notice that any other coaches that seem to want to bring the Patriot way elsewhere, uh, a la Matt Patricia, but there's a bunch of them, Romeo Cornell it didn't work for, Charlie Weiss it didn't work for, um, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels it didn't really work for when he went to Denver – uh, and yet, 
for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they just keep rolling year after year. So what what does that what does that really mean when someone says the Patriot way to you, someone who was in that building? Well, for those coaches was because they didn't have Tom Brady on the field. Right. You know? I mean that to me that's just what it is. They don't have that guy on the field who's consistent with ice in his veins, who can make plays at any given point, a guy that everybody will rally around. All of those teams, they have their quarterbacks, you know, but you look at Detroit with Matt Patricia, um, and you look at their, you know, Matthew Stafford. Everybody knows he's their franchise quarterback, but he's no Tom Brady. Right. No Drew Brees. He's no Aaron Rodgers. He's a good quarterback in the NFL, you know, um, but when you have that that guy Tom Brady who's won so much in his career, everybody falls in line, offense and defense. And so that's why you can you can talk the Patriot way, the Patriot way. This is our system. I almost guarantee you when Tom Brady is gone, it's not going to be the same way. Even if Bill Belichick wants to stay around, it's not going to be the same way. You, we like to think that oh, you can plug another quarterback into that system. It's quarterback friendly and. and you know, who was it that did it? Uh, Matt Castle? Did he take them to the playoffs? Uh, he went, he went 11 back? and 5, but did not take them to the playoffs. Oh, okay. So well, yeah. So he still won 11 and 5. Yeah. But we like to think that, but Brady is a different type of guy in clutch situations. Right. You know, and so when you have that guy, man, that Patriot way really is a thing. When you don't have that guy, it's not going to be a thing anymore. That team is going to fall off once they don't have Brady. So where does it where does it start and where does it end with Brady and Belichick? Because I mean, I was looking at this the last time. I mean, I guess it was would have been last year when they were in the Super Bowl that it was unusual that the Patriots didn't have an unbelievable defense in the Brady era. It's just year after year after year. I, I think that almost every year except two or three, they've been in the top ten in scoring defense over and over and over and over again. And Belichick, that's where he made his bones with the New York Giants and then with uh, the Cleveland Browns. They had great defenses, too, when he was there for the most part. So, so I mean, is, is it sort of just this combination of the perfect fit between this great defensive mind and then Brady, or is there more to it? I think it's I think it's a combination. Obviously, they have some good players um, on the offense and the defense. But on the defensive side of the ball, they have guys who have been there. Um, I guess cornerstones of that defense. You look at the back end with Devin McCourty, with the linebackers. So they have those guys that have been there, and everybody else will fall in line with those guys. They bring other guys in, like a Stephon Gilmore, um, to, to, to add talent on that defense. But at the end of the day, you have a defensive mastermind in Bill Belichick that understands everything that an offense is trying to do, you know, and, and we don't know if he's calling plays or somebody else is calling plays or if he will interject and call in the plays. What I do know is that he really wants nothing to do with the offensive side of the ball. So he can focus on the defense. Yeah. Um, you know, he lets the offensive side of the ball be up to Josh McDaniels. That's all him. He does what he wants to do on the offense. On the defense, though, Bill Belichick, I would think, really interjects in the play calling just a little bit, you know, and, and because of that, his his way is, look, we're going to take away your key players, and everybody else has to beat us one-on-one, mm-hmm. and that's what they do week after week. Now, what ends up happening is you have other teams that will say, well, we're going to take away your key players, but they don't have the, the guys that understand the defense that have been there as long, and they don't have... um 
They sometimes just don't have the talent. And then on the offensive side of the ball, if it's not getting done, they don't have Tom Brady who can score points. You know, so it's um, it, it, it it's both both of those guys, and not just Belichick, it's not just Brady. Both of those guys are great at what they do. Brady runs the offense, Belichick runs the defense, and so they're always able to win games with that formula. So I, I know you know Stephon Gilmore. I want to ask you about him in a second, but how did you get signed by the Patriots not being a white wide receiver? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, What's with all the white wide know, receivers? Always, I mean, everyone makes fun uh, of it, though. Everyone makes fun of it, but it's the truth. I mean, you know, they, they bring in guys like Edelman, guys like Hogan, guys like Wes Walker. Um, they bring those guys in to run the slot, mm-hmm. right? And we all know that the slot is where they make their money in that system. I mean, the slot guys are going to get paid. The outside guys is what they brought me in for to run the outside, and those are always black receivers. It's always <laughs> a, a weird thing out there, you know, from Randy Moss to you, to Brandon Cooks. I mean, look at it. Over the years, the outside receivers are always the faster <laughs> black receivers, and the slot guys are always wide receivers. I don't know how I got signed. I think because I always had good games against them, and that could I could be. work the slot. I, I could work the slot and the outside, mm-hmm. and they really wanted to uh, bring me in and, and, and see how things worked out. Um, and so that's probably how I got signed. Now Hogan is an outside receiver, though, so that he kind of Hogan breaks breaks receiver. that trend. That's right. Yeah, he uh, Hogan is definitely an outside receiver, but he's a guy who can play everything for you. Right. You know, he understands what they're trying to do. He understands he understands how to work the slot, and so you know you'll see him in the slot every now and then. The crazy thing is, those guys, Hogan and Edelman and Wes Walker. A lot of people think that the, the Patriots go five wide. They don't go five wide often. They usually have two receivers on the field, maybe three every mm-hmm. now and then. Um, and those guys can play inside and outside, you know. But when they go five wide, you might have Edelman outside, but you might have him lined up against. You might have him in a mismatch against, you know, a linebacker or a safety because you have Gronk on the field and they want to put a taller or something corner on Gronk, you mm-hmm. know. So. They have so many different weapons with Grunt and with those receivers that it's hard to really say, okay, we're going to match up this guy on this guy um, because they move them all around across the field. It's, it's tough playing against them. It so, really is. So now the, the Vikings have two receivers who can go out of the slot or on the outside just brilliantly. I mean, Adam Thielen does it more than Stephon Diggs, and you as a guy who could do both. What's the challenge there or the I guess the differences between – uh, the route running and, and things like that and, and your assignments when you're talking about being the slot receiver versus the outside? Well, when you're in the slot, you have you have more space to do a lot of things. Um, when you're in the slot, more, more times than not, you're going to be facing either nickel corner, um, who's not going to be the number one corner, or you're going to be facing the safety or linebacker. Um, when you're in the slot, your job is to work a lot of the zones and the holes in the middle of the field. And so if you understand the defense and what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. then you'll get open a lot, you know. And I think those guys, both of those guys, understand that part of the game in the slot. On the outside, it's more about one-on-one matchup. Can you beat your guy one-on-one? Can you get off the line of scrimmage? Can you get down the field? And I think both of those guys can do that as well, you know, regardless if they're, Four, three, four, two guys, or four, five guys—they understand 
how to get off the line of scrimmage and get down the field. The quarterback understands, and the quarterback trusts them as well, and so they'll give them some opportunity uh, opportunities. And so I, I think those are the biggest differences. When you're out, when you're on the outside, you don't have as much space to work with, so you got to be that much better in terms of getting open. But when you're on the inside, you just got to understand everything. You got to understand all the hot routes, everything. You know, so you just got to be a smart player to play on the inside. Yeah, what's the what's the processing like there? I mean, you, you're at the line of scrimmage, so you have some sense, and you'll use motions and things like that to give you some sort of coverage indicators. But you know, I was wa- just watching the Packers and Vikings back, and Kyle Rudolph. It was his job to find some room and space, and all of a sudden, Kenny Clark, the defensive tackle, drops back in coverage, and he's kind of in that throwing lane. And and Cousins, he threw in the right spot, so it wasn't picked off or knocked in the air or anything, but. Uh, it always seems like things are happening so incredibly fast that I- I'm amazed that guys can process it quickly enough to even know where to go at, at that sort of real time. You know, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with the coaching and the coaches understanding what the defense is doing and really just pounding it every week into the guy's head. You know, if I'm if I'm a slot guy and I'm going to run a curl or I'm going to run a hitch or something like that, but we have a we have a running back who is going to flare out, you know, run like a, just like a little flare out, mm-hmm. check down type of route. Um, we know in a, in a certain coverage that that linebacker might get a little antsy. He might just jump on the running back. And so this is going to be wide open. And we know that because we watch so much film, mm-hmm. you know, you watch a bunch of different games. Okay. When we go three wide, this linebacker, or this nickel likes to do this. When we go two wide. He likes to do this. And so it does happen fast. You got to be able to process things on the run. Um, you really got to be able to process things on the run, especially in the flat. But at the same time, you've been working on this stuff and they kind of drawn up, they drew it up for you in practice. And the scout team runs it the exact same way that the defense runs. Hmm. You know, they don't, these defenses don't change things every week. It just doesn't work like that. They run what they're good at. And, Individual players are creatures of habit. You know, they, they like to go for certain things. They like to not go for certain things. And it's the coach's job and your job when you're on offense to understand what they like to do um, and work off of that. And so you're able to get open, even though it seems like it's, it's happening so fast. So what was it like to prepare for the Belichick defense then? Was that more tape study? Was that different? Was that different scout team stuff? Because Belichick does seem to add new wrinkles and change things on a weekly basis on defense. Yeah, I mean, he, he adds new things and changes things, but he, he'll add like one thing or something like that. You know, it's not, when you play him, when you play against him twice a year, you understand what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You, you just do. You know, he's going to take away, when I was playing, he's going to take away Stevie, he's going to take away Fred Jackson or, you know, something like that. And so, you know, you knew you were going to be one on one, and I knew I was going to be one on one. Um, as the number two wide receiver. And so that's why I always had good games because they would lead me one on one. You know, and until and I started to have the games and they would double team me. Um, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's harder for guys who don't see that defense and see Bill Belichick twice a year. It was easier for us seeing him twice a year. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, he, he'll add a new wrinkle, but it's not going to be something that they're going to do the entire game. It's going to be something that they sprinkle in throughout the course of the game. Mm. At the end of the day, they do what they do. They take away your number one target your number one playmaker 
Um, they're going to double team that guy or those two guys, and they're going to leave everybody else one on one. And now with Stefan Gilmore in the mix, I had a chance to cover him a bit, and he's a tremendous player. He is the classic sort of shutdown corner. He's big, long, athletic, and after maybe three or four games, I think it was a little rocky start when he first signed in New England, and then since then, he's been one of the best corners in the entire NFL. Do you expect, with two great wide receivers for the Vikings, that they would lock down one with Gilmore and then double the other? How how would you think that they would use Stephon Gilmore in this type of situation with two top-notch receivers? So I think... um two things. I think that they're going to Stefan, he's gonna he's gonna move around a lot. Um they they do a lot of man to man type of situations. They're gonna lock him on to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen quite often. Now they're gonna try to sprinkle it around so that he's not just following one guy. And that's gonna be based off of indicators that Bill Belichick feels, you know, if 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 they uh if the Vikings line up in a trip or if they motion into a bunch formation or something like that, Adam Thielen will typically get the ball. It's based on stats, right? They got these next gen stats, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you look into. Yep. Um and so, you know, if if they shift into a motion fifty percent of the time, they like to throw it to Stefan Diggs. Or, you know, fifty percent of the time or thirty percent of the time they like to throw it to Thielen. So if you get into that that type of formation, then you might have Stefan covering a certain guy or not, you know. And so that's kind of how all of that stuff works. There's a lot of percentages, a lot of numbers involved. Um, but I think for most of the most part, they're going to just double team both of those guys. And everybody else is going to have to win one on one. Um, and, and you're going to see that a lot throughout the course of the game. Now, Stefan, I've had a chance to speak to Stefan. Because we're going to have them on our podcast, um, the Washington Series podcast, the week they play the Bills. Um, and I always talk about on this show, I have Adam Thielen on my fantasy. And he went, he, he went kind of quiet on me for a couple weeks. I know he was dealing with some injuries. Um, but, you know, he seemed to come back on last week. And so Stefan, I was like, hey, man, listen, I need you to cover, cover Stefan Diggs. Don't cover <laughs> Adam Thielen. Because I need him to go off this week. I was like, whoever wins the game, you know, I, I, that's not really my focus. My focus is on Adam Thielen going off. He was like, hey, man, I'm going to lock up everybody they put in front of me. Uh, <laughs> right. And so, you know, I'm hoping that he ends up covering Stephon Diggs the entire game so that Adam Thielen can go ahead and, and, and get another 100 yards and a touchdown for him. Well, it's, it's, it's very interesting how they play off each other because when Diggs was out for a week with a rib injury, Thielen had 22 yards, as you might know from having him on your fantasy team. And exactly. when Patrick Peterson played against the Vikings, he was lined up on Stephon Diggs the whole day and not on Adam Thielen. It's just kind of interesting how different teams approach it. But the Packers tried to use their best corner on Adam Thielen, and that didn't work either. So, And Marshawn Lattimore, you know, Marshawn Lattimore played against Thielen. That didn't work. So every team does it a little bit differently, and nobody can seem to stop them. So you're probably uh, in pretty good shape there. Um, It's it's not not necessarily hard. What the Vikings like to do is they like to motion those guys, and that's how you can get matchups when you go in motion. There's two things that when teams are motioning and shifting that they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out if the defense is in a zone or a man. Mm -hmm. 
and they're also trying to figure out, uh, or they're also trying to get those guys into a certain matchup, a certain situation. And so, um, the Vikings will shift a lot. They motion a lot into bunch formation. When you get into bunch formations and when you motion a guy's off the line of scrimmage, you can't, you can't, uh, jam him at the line of scrimmage. And that's why those guys are able to get open. So it's hard to really play against both of those guys. And if you, if you end up shutting those guys both down and you have Rudolph, or you have the rest of the guys who are going to make a good catch or two and then it opens things back up for those two guys. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, you brought up, I wanted to circle back on this. You brought up the numbers and how teams use them. And I, I think that one perception in football is that it's just all tape. It's just like, oh, it's just tape, it's tape. You got to know football, got to know football. Uh, but almost everybody knows what they're doing, except for maybe in, uh, maybe Hugh Jackson. But like everybody else, like, no, they know what they're doing and, they know basically what route combinations go together and all these sorts of things. They study everything with your offense. So if they're looking for an edge, I mean, it, it seems to me like a lot of teams use this data to get that, but they don't ever want to tell us about it, right? Like everything is the biggest state secret of all time in football. They don't want to tell you if it's a guy's pinky or thumb that's hurt on his hand, much less are they going to reveal that they're using certain numbers to figure out how, what team's tendencies are. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, almost every team now has an analytics person, mm-hmm. and they use or people, and they use analytics for multiple reasons. They use analytics for when they're drafting a guy. They use analytics for injuries, for uh, you know how much fluid is going in or out of a person. Uh, but they especially use analytics and data and numbers to figure out what these teams are trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so when they put together these scouting reports every every week, I mean, the scouting report is crazy, you know, and, and you're expected to understand if it's third down, 70% of the time, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to know that as a player just as much as the coaches know that. You know, the coaches are trying to get you lined up, but you're also, you should also know that. Third and long, they run stick routes right at the sticks. You know, if it's third and 12, they're going to run a hitch right at third and 12, this percent of the time. And they use it a lot, you know. It's always, it's always amazing to me. And I've had a chance to speak to um, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, um, and and she's a big analytics person. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of what she was school for. Um, and she ha- she talks to a lot of different coaches, and she's always saying how these coaches are trying to balance between numbers. And just really getting a feel for the game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's numbers and this is what they do a certain percentage of time, but the crowd is into it right now, so they might not do that, you know? And so right. that's what coaches are always trying to balance. How much of the numbers should I really trust over how I feel like my defense is playing right now, you know, in terms of making certain decisions? So that's something that these coaches wrestle with going back and forth. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's something that I have really learned from being inside the locker room every day is that the trope about players, you know, football guys not being very smart or whatever else. Like, I mean, at this level to me, it's like everybody can run pretty fast. It always ends up being who can take all this information and put it on the field. And when they're drafting guys, I think that's why guys bust. I mean, other than injuries is that it's really hard to tell from a guy who's in college if he's going to be able to take this mass of information that you're handing him and then go and, and put it together in an actual game. And that's what's hard for these NFL coaches now because 
In college, there are no numbers being used. In college, when you line up as a wide receiver or a quarterback, you line up and you turn to the sideline, and there's a bunch of four or five cards on the sideline, and the card with the, the donkey on it is this play. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, right. That's, that's what you're doing in college, and so there's no real analytics and numbers and things. So when they get to the NFL, the pros, there's already a learning curve in actually being on the field and, you know, like making plays on the field, the speed of the game, all of that stuff. That's one learning curve, but it's also understanding the data and everything that's being thrown at you at one time every single week. There's all new data every single week that's being thrown at you. you got to be able to take it in. That's why in training camp and way back in the spring, they throw so many plays into practice every single day. They want to test out and see if you can handle all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why at the draft, they get you up on the board and they throw so many different things at you at one time. They want to see how fast can you process this information. Mm -hmm. If you can't process it, then that's an issue. You know, they put a lot of, the media puts a lot of stock into the uh, Wonderlick test. Yeah. But to me, the Wonderlick test, doesn't show a guy's football intellect you know a guy's football intellect is different you know and if you understand football you'll be able to take a lot of information in just because you understand the game of football yeah yeah that's interesting the vikings mentioned that they use some of their own testing as well And, and i remember the video came out of carson wentz and they brought him in the draft room and he was kind of like well you know a little bit of a raw prospect didn't play for a power five conference or anything but then when they right. showed the video of him in the room breaking it down, it's like, oh, wow, Like this guy is really a student of the game. And that's probably one of the major reasons he's been able to step into the NFL that quickly. And it's and really, I mean, it applies for every single position, but especially with the quarterbacks. It's just like out of this world. Yeah, with quarterbacks, they got to know everything. Right. They got to know everything that's going on on the field, offensively and defensively. And they got to be able to process that in 35 seconds every play. Right. While while the coach is talking to you here, you know, mm-hmm. so those guys have to be, they have to be football smart. Not necessarily Wonder League smart, but football smart. You gotta be knowledgeable of the game because you have a lot of these mobile quarterbacks in college. That's where they fall off is the knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. Being able to understand what the defense is doing. And so that's why you don't see a lot of times those guys become successful because They've been able to just get away with being able to run faster than faster than the defense for so long. Right. Once they get to the pro, they can't do it like that. Uh, last thing for you, just who was the smartest guy in the league that you thought when you were around? I mean, or that you played with that you knew for sure, or just like somebody that you knew every time you talked to him, like holy cow, this guy knows the game super well. It's ridiculous. Uh, Brady. Yeah. Okay. Brady. <laughs> that makes Brady's sense. Smartest guy. Yeah, I mean, he just, he knows, he knows everything that the defense is trying to do. Now, I've, I've been around Tony Romo mm-hmm. and listened to him speak, and it's like, yo, this dude is really smart. Mm-hmm. That was when he was still playing. Now you, we all see it as a commentator on TV. The dude is really smart. Like, he, he's sometimes annoying because he's calling out the plays <laughs> before it happens right. as a commentator, you know, but he really is a smart, just football junkie, you know. Um, he'd probably be a very good coordinator, but, you know, he's excelling in the booth. 
All right. Tell everyone about your podcast. They can find it. The Twitter account is Why So Serious P.O.D. So follow that Why So Serious P.O.D. And you guys tweet out the podcast each week, or I assume you can go on to your iPhone and search it and, and subscribe. Oh, yeah. Tell everybody, uh, tell everybody what you got going on there. Yeah. So Why So Serious podcast is myself, Stevie Johnson, um, Michael Fredo, Joe Licata. Um, and you know, we, we talk football. I mean, we talk a lot of different things on there. We have fun, but especially football, we have fun with breaking down. Um, I think last week, man, we talked, we might have talked some Saints, uh, with Drew Brees, who's the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, we, 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 oh, we also talked about this would be big for, um, in Minnesota being such a, um, we talked about who's tougher, football players or hockey players. Yeah, so that was a fun conversation to have. But you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and, and, you know, Why So Serious podcast, tune in and uh, have some fun with it. All right. Well, that is awesome. And, dude, this is great. I mean, every time we get together, I feel like we you teach me something about the game. Everybody who listens gets to learn sort of the inside stuff that uh, that you're able to bring. So awesome stuff. Follow the Why So Serious podcast and uh, make sure you subscribe to that as well if you like Donald Jones. And I guarantee you, you will like Stevie Johnson as well. So make sure you give a listen to that. And uh, we will talk to you all again here on the Purple Podcast. Hey, man. Thank you again for having me. And I'd say this for Vikings fans, if the Vikings are up with two minutes left in the game, do not give the ball back to Brady. It can be an ugly outcome for the Vikings. That's I've right. Go happen. for it. Right. I've seen it happen way too many times. <laughs> um, do not give the ball back to him with two minutes left. Well, I, I, I chances are he's going to score. I think that Mike Zimmer does play to who the quarterback is because last week it was a similar situation and he decided to go for it on fourth down and they didn't get it and right. we're still able to to stop Aaron Rodgers. But I, I think that'll be the approach. So Donald, man, thanks, right. thanks as always, man. Oh, yeah, thank you. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.